Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skuzkowspell. Well, guys, uh, summer previews are upon us. We let's have, go. Yes. Let's go. Let's, let's talk some football. Um, we are gearing up. We've d- been doing the research, get, getting everything together, and uh, we'll be diving in with our in-depth team-by-team previews uh, starting next episode. Uh, so be, definitely be on the lookout for that. As jacked as jacked up as I am for that conversation, it's going to be really hard for me to not also talk about the sick idea that John has for the Westland Pirates <laughs> t-shirt this, this year. Um, I'm just going to let that sit. Y'all have to wait uh, a little while, but we'll get get fired up, folks. Yeah, stay tuned. This, this is going to be good. This is going to be really, really good. Um, but before we uh, talk about football, uh, we should probably talk about athletics as a whole. Um we almost called an emergency podcast uh, last Friday when the news came out that Derek Gregg was going to be named the athletic director at Northwestern. But uh, I, I think, you know, we, I, I think wisely sat back and just, you know, let it happen. Other people were, were first on it. That's not really our bag is, you know, we don't need to be first. We just need to be best. Is, is how I look at it. <laughs> um, you know, you don't need to be first. What are you talking about? You could be second or third or fourth. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Bobby. Um, but yeah, Derek Gregg uh, comes over from the NCAA. Uh, he was the athletic director at Tulsa uh, for many years. Um, but at the NCAA, the senior VP for inclusion, education, and community engagement. Um, I... I as far as I know, you know, I watched the the press conference, and you know, it, there was about as a, a milk toast of a press conference as you could expect. Uh, you know, nothing really was said. A couple interesting bits that came out of that, but uh, before we dive into that, guys, surface thoughts. What do you think about Dr. Gregg? I think you know the the big thing is obviously. There's there's the whole side issue, right, with everything that led up to this and the whole mess of the process and everything. And all those things are important, and obviously those things aren't going to go away. But I think the the big thing, and I think it it's really important to just be like, this looks like a great hire. I mean, he looks yep. like an awesome candidate. And I think there it's okay to, to put the other stuff aside and just be like, look, this was a great candidate. And again, it's like they're... There's the talk about he was considered initially, said he wasn't interested, etc. Again, I like. I think we'd all be wise to take, you know, anything we're hearing with a grain of salt relative to the search process and everything that that went on there. I think we've all know that at this point. But he's a great looking candidate. Um, his experience is excellent. I think a lot has been made of, you know, he was. You know, Eastern, he's been an AD for a long time, Eastern Michigan and then Tulsa. I mean, you're talking like 15 years, you know, really as an athletic director. But even before that, I mean, this is director of compliance at Missouri, assistant AD at Michigan, senior associate AD at Arkansas. So you're going back. I mean, if you go back to already director of compliance at Missouri, you're talking about back when Missouri was Big 12, right? So you literally can check every Power 5 conference other than the Pac-12 on his resume in a meaningful way. Um, like this is someone no, who... No, nobody needs to check the Pac-12 either. Right, yeah, right. And, <laughs> I was uh, waiting for that. Uh, 
and also but all and also the mac and the aac um and in the case of tulsa i think they actually switched conferences kind of right as he was arriving so this is someone who has footprints in just about every major area of college athletics and then you throw in that he was an sec athlete also um and this is someone who I would say knows the landscape, the modern landscape of of all the intricacies of college sports and certainly college football as well as anybody does. And that's a really big deal. Well, there are a couple other like tidbits that just really help round out specifically his fit for Northwestern too, right? So not just an SEC college athlete, but Vanderbilt. So right. a school with a lot of the same values, educational aspirations, et cetera, as Northwestern. Like he has lived the life that, that Northwestern athletes live with really high expectations, both on the field and in the classroom. Um, during his time at Eastern Michigan, he overlapped with uh, Jeff Jenick and then a whole bunch of other assistant NU coaches, Matt McPherson. Um, uh, Kurt Anderson. Uh, Kurt Anderson, yes, thank you. Um, and and, and uh, O'Neill as well, right? Uh, Jim O'Neill. So, yeah. From a, you know, connections and understanding and just, you know, personal engagement side with the existing football apparatus, which, as we all know, is is the, you know, drives the bus for college athletics. Um, That's really reassuring, uh, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, There's going to be a lot of trust and and collaboration there. At the same time, like, this is the athletic director that fired Jeff Jennick as head coach of (laughs) Eastern Michigan because, like, they weren't getting the the good results. So, like, those are some really interesting things to layer on from from a Northwestern perspective. I also think it's really important. So, So all that being said, he is exceedingly qualified for this role. On top of it, Northwestern's community has been in a, in rough shape, you know, not just during the, the AD search that resulted in, in Poliski and all the, the strife on campus, but before that it's, you know, everything we heard from, uh, uh from Leah, Asco- Leah and, and Ella Brockway, uh, several weeks ago, everything we heard from them is that it's been a really rough 18 months at Northwestern and a lot of trust has been lost between administration, faculty, etc. Dr. G- Greg understands communities understands how to engage communities. He has demonstrated that in space. This is a guy, he, he's not from Tulsa, but one of the, one of the things that he did. Oh, this is awesome. This in is Tulsa, so cool. Yes. As AD is he helped establish, I'm, I'm not, you know, he doesn't get full credit for it because a lot of other people were involved, but he helped establish, um, the, uh, I believe they call it the Tulsa legacy game. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. And it basically it is, it is a, it is a college football game to, uh, commemorate is the wrong word, but honor is probably the, probably the better word. Um, bring awareness to, yeah, bring awareness to uh, spotlight and, and help a community, you know, grieve and come together um, regarding the, the, uh, the Tulsa massacre of 1921. There's been a lot of talk about this over the last couple of weeks. The, the 100th year anniversary of this just happened. I majored in history or I minored in history and I, and it was a huge part of my high school education. This was not something that, I, I, it's certainly not something I remember from, from those days. Um, and I think there's rightly been a lot of awareness brought to this. And this is, a, this is an individual who, as an athletic director in Tulsa, recognized that he had an opportunity to impact that community in a really, really meaningful way. Um, they called out in the, in the press release on his hire, Northwestern Athletics did, that he has consistently in his career uh, been an advocate for the underrepresented, whether that's women, 
whether that's um, LGBTQ, whether that's uh, people of color. And the, I, I, I personally think, you know, we talked about this before, it's really important to me as a Northwestern fan that Northwestern takes this opportunity to elevate somebody uh, who's a person of color or a woman into this AD role because of what it does for representation. I mean, you know, we talked about with Leah and Ella, all the women on campus, the female athletes and what a female athletic director would do for them in a very similar way. You know, that like we didn't hire a woman in this role, but all the African-American athletes on, on campus have someone in Dr. Greg that they can they can look to. That's representation that really matters to people. And uh, yeah. I, it's just important to note, like this is in addition to all of his bona fides and everything that qualifies him so much for this role. This is additional um, benefit and perspective that he's going to bring to the Northwestern community, to the Evanston community, that's going to be impactful. And that is really exciting. Yeah, I think it's kind of dovetailing with what you said earlier about, you know, his work with inclusion and meaningful things like that. I I think of the press conference, which, you know, as Sam was saying, like a lot of the press conference was very boilerplate and a lot of these press conferences tend to be that way. But I, I took note of the fact that when he was talking about, you know, issues in college athletics today, um, he specifically brought up rights for transgender athletes. And I thought that was really interesting, almost in an abstract way, because that's a little bit of a hot potato issue right now, right? Where... I think you have a lot of colleges and a lot of conferences and really pro sports and everyone, a lot of people kind of finding their footing on that issue and that there are a lot of moving parts to an issue like that, right? Which is to say, it's not an issue a lot of people are going to, are going to agree on, right? And it's the kind of issue where like he didn't need to bring that up in this conference. You know what I mean? And the fact that he did bring it up, I see it as someone who's who's saying, look, there are big issues out there. I want to talk about these issues. I want to work these issues out. If there is an issue that is a big issue that's affecting college athletes, like I'm going at that issue and we're going to talk about it and we're going to work it out. And that to me is like a big deal. Um, and again, I mean, I think it's, it's someone who's basically like, oh yeah, these are the big issues right now. These are the ones, and we're going to go at those. We're going to talk about them and we're going to work it out. So again, he said, you know, his statement was like transgender athletes and gender equity in sports. But when you mention gender, gender equity in sports in the same sentence that you're mentioning something you didn't have to bring up, that is certainly, you know, a hot button issue right now. Um, I'm immediately like, oh, that's the kind of person who, when they say gender equity, they're like, I'm going at this. And if I think there's some place at Northwestern where gender equity is not represented, we're going to handle that and we're going to work that out. So again, it was, it, it's someone that everything Scuzz said is like, this is a man of action and he, he sees things, he wants changes made and, and he, he does big things to get them done. So it's pretty inspiring. John, that's such a good point. There, there's, we've heard this ad nauseum from whether it's ads or coaches, um, both in the professional and the college ranks of kind of like the, you know, the I just want to focus on football or I just want to focus on basketball perspective, um, from individuals that are getting paid exorbitant salaries to be the faces, the public faces of their universities, and I give all the credit in the world to Dr. Gregg for 
actively embracing these tough conversations because that, that's the only way that that things are going to improve for either those affected or those that are that are um you know that, that that are uncomfortable or anxious about about talking about those topics or dealing with those topics or don't want to think about those topics or, or feel like culturally infringed by those topics the only way we're going to solve that for anyone on either side is to talk about it and address it and i give him all the credit in the world for being a leader in that space so that's um i think we have a lot to look forward to as as northwestern fans and and conversation is is something that he brought up as well in the in the press conference um you know there was a question basically saying you know this has been a mess like this whole process has been a mess <laughs> <laughs> um how how do you get everyone together on this and he's like you talk you have conversations and you listen and you know the the fact that he's like yeah you got to listen you got to hear what people have to say you got to hear people's problems and you got to hear people's issues before you can start to address them. And that's so spot on. Like, if you're not listening, you're not open. And the fact that he's and remains to be seen what how this how this uh, presents itself at moving forward. But like the fact that he's just coming into it saying, "I, I want to listen to everyone's concerns," is awesome. It's just absolutely fantastic. Right. And circling back to something Scuzz said too, I think the fact that you have. Kevin Warren introducing Derek Gregg uh, at this at this press conference, and that's an African American commissioner of the Big Ten introducing an African American athletic director. And it's not to say like it doesn't need to be that way. It doesn't like you don't have to make hires based on color of people's skin, like like we've been down this road on previous podcasts, etc. But you can you can totally say all those things and understand. All of the athletes and students of color at all of the schools in the Big Ten look at that and feel represented. And that's a great thing. Um, and it's, I mean, it's beyond like wins and losses and like, hey, this helps Northwestern program. It's just good for sports and athletes and students of color um, in general. It's just like, this is progress. Um, and it's it's just a good thing. And it's a good thing that we can be a part of it. And, and then, you know, we can... Like Scott said, Greg is a great, really qualified candidate who brings all this experience, person of action. He's got this awesome resume. Um, and we get all that and we get this as a bonus. Um, and it's just we should be happy about that. It's interesting. You know, he was asked, you know, why, you know, Shapiro kind of said, you know, he was Greg was on their wish list. You know, he, he was the guy they wanted to talk to the first time around. Um, but because Greg had just started with the NCAA, I mean, he'd been with the NCAA for about eight months now. So that's not a lot of time uh, in a job and to be starting to look at, at your next job. Um, but then when they came back and asked again, uh, after everything, you know, he had spoken with his, his family and, you know, his response was when Northwestern calls, you have to answer the phone, which is, you know, again, boilerplate you have to say that when you're being introduced as the athletic director of northwestern <laughs> but it, it, it's it's still cool to hear nonetheless I, I it is i i you know full transparency i feel like eight months working for the ncaa would be enough to to give me um, <laughs> some, some pause but um but i just like who who knows right who knows what that conversation was like who knows how seriously northwestern pursued him who knows what conversation he was having like 
for all we know, I mean, this, you know, Northwestern might have reached out to him before Mark Emmert was extended as president of the NCAA. And for all we know, you know, a guy like uh, like like Dr. Greg might have been up for that role had Emmert not been retained. So, like, like there, we're never going to know all the variables that went into that. I think what we can be excited about, frankly, more than anything is, you know, when we when we kind of dissected all, all the, all the drama from, from the initial AD search, we were like, shit, like, like how long is it going to be before we, we restart this process and, and find a, a quality candidate? And are we going to, you know, what's it like, how long are we going to be in interim status? And t- t- two months or one month or whatever it's been was not even on the bingo card. Like this is, this is a, a really excellent, um, turnaround by 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 the the brass at northwestern in identifying and pursuing and landing a fantastic candidate um that enables northwestern to move forward and not be in you know uh limbo or or, and or purgatory for for over a year and and moving forward is interesting yeah exactly Um, one one other thing that was mentioned at, at the press conference and i i was you know a little a little surprised to hear the, the frankness of the response, um, but the question was asked, you know, the beautiful, you know, on-campus athletic department, uh, the facilities, the, you know, Welsh Shrine Arena, what's the plan for Ryan Field? And pretty much they said, it, it's happening. Like, th- we're going to address it. Like, th- something's coming. And, you know, I've just, I've just had this thought in the back of my head, and, you know, obviously I don't think we'll ever know for sure, but, like, I would not, I'm fully expect to hear news of Ryan Field renovation before the start of the football season this year. It's like, it's it's possible. I feel like there are a heck of a lot of signs staring us in the face that we'd be pretty silly not to just not to not to take, you know, a good hard look at these signs. I mean, the timetables are all just staring us in the face and certainly no one's pouring cold water on those timetables for sure. Um yeah, it, it it would underscore why the pursuit of an AD this spring was so critical, right? Yeah. If if our, I mean, if if you listen to our last podcast, our our guess, right, is that the Ireland game is wrapped up in this, um, the Wrigley game, like like those two games basically extend what is a, I don't know, ten month window, um, to to renovate and then and then potentially depending how far they want to go. Uh, I think we, we, there were some some people on Twitter suggesting that that we should start with dynamite, which was um, frankly my tagline for the Welsh Ryan renovations. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, it turned out pretty good in the end. I'm, I'm comfortable if we don't if we don't you know dynamite Ryan Field to start. Like let's 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 get some lights and some real speakers. Um, that's really like you. I'd be happy with that. Anyways, point being, like depending how extensive the renovations are, it's plausible that. You know, after what is November, whatever in 2021, when we have our last home game, it's the first week in November. Yeah, first week in November. Now construction in the winter in Chicago, not not a great prospect, but all the way through to mid September of 2022 is 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 presumably open. Right, and then as you guys, I think Sam, you talked about like it wouldn't it wouldn't be hard to imagine like oh hey Northwestern's going to play a couple games at Soldier Field in the 2022 season. Um, a couple games now, at Soldier Field, another game at Wrigley. Maybe you throw one at uh, at Comiskey. 
Right. Sure, we'll yeah. just do it. And then Miller Park, I don't know. And then yeah. like, dude, like you're there. You're there. You, you've now you've you've given yourself almost two full years to um, to do what you need to do to that stadium, and it just it makes makes a lot of sense. A lot, like you said, John. A lot of those things are just staring us in the face, and um, we'll uh, we'll see. If we're right. I'd say the other thing too, right, is to to Sam's point about if it is happening, you'll see an announcement sooner rather than later. Is like there's comes to a point where like you're you're really splitting hairs on the timeline because it's like for anyone who knows how these things work, the minute they can get in there, they get in there and they start working, right? Which means to which means in other words, if if November sixth was the day they were going to start things up. There are going to be a bunch of cranes parked outside in the parking lot, you yeah, know, the, the, weeks the clo- ahead the of the closing that whistle. Like the, the clock hits zero zero zero, right. and the right. foreman puts on his hat and says, "All right, let's go." Right. So, like, there's <laughs> going to be some sort of equipment buildup that is going to be readily apparent to everybody weeks before this gets going on, and then you start being like, "All right, so like." You know, clearly, if if there's a timeline coming, they're gonna, they're gonna have to get into this. Um, Jay Sharman has got has already got some old Welsh Ryan bleachers in his uh, in his man cave. Like, start start stocking that piggy bank, Jay, because you might have an opportunity to um, to score some Ryan Field um, uh, paraphernalia as well. Get get a rail of bleachers there. I would. So the the one other thing we should mention, right? And I think that's been kind of lost in all this is is. We think back to when Phillips was first hired, right? And one of his first big decisions he had to make was the decision whether or not to retain Bill Carmody. And ultimately, he made the decision to retain Bill Carmody. And it was a great decision in the long run. Um, and there is, there, there is, well, I know some people, some people would say force. No, for- no, I, I, I agree with everything you said, John. It's where you're going next. that has got like, has me. Well, like yeah, that. right. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but and I think there there is that Chris Collins question, right? And I know for a lot of people, it's not a question because there's that general thought that the fact that we are going through this transitional point will be the um, will effectively you know buy Collins another year, and that very well may be true. Um, it's worth mentioning, and this is credit to um, the at the, ironically the at Fire Bill Carmody Twitter account um, who <laughs> tweeted out when when Greg was hired. That um, one year into um, Greg's tenure at Tulsa, he replaced Danny Manning with Frank Haith, which was ultimately a really solid hire. And he hired Rob Murphy at Eastern Michigan, who is, was one of you know one of the best coaches at Eastern Michigan, you know Eastern Michigan history at a place where it's not particularly easy to win. So um, he does have experience in this regard, and is certainly going to make the decisions he feels that are right. I mean, like, I, you know, if I was betting, I would also bet that Collins is looking at another season um, to, to try to turn this thing around. But um, but it is one of those things to keep an eye on. Now that we've checked this box, our eyes will turn to the facilities, to basketball, to, to everything else. And now, you know, we can we can finally go forward here. Yeah, I, I think you can't fire a basketball coach in June. Or in, in July, like he he didn't even officially start until July first. You can't fire your basketball coach July second, you know, going into the season. So I I think it's pretty clear that Collins gets at least one more season, and we'll see where it goes from there. Um, speaking is of it, going, is it worth is it worth noting at this point that we learned um, since since our last podcast that Mike Shashevsky is Mike Shashevsky is retiring at the end of the twenty, not this current season. Yeah, he's going to retire at, at the end of this, end of this season. season. Yeah. Uh, John Shire is is has already been tabbed as his um, successor. 
but there was a lot of um, water un- under the oh, oh, Collins Bridge um, on Twitter um, when that when that news came out late last week. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like five years ago, we were in a very different place where I think if 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 Shusevsky had decided to hang it up at that moment, Collins would be right at the top of the list. And there's yeah. a lot of and there's a lot of irony there now because I think Collins was really the point recruiter for Shire out of the Chicago area. And that was a really big thing. Collins was that was a real feather in his cap. He was um, the the guy who got Shire ultimately to come to Duke or, or played a big role in it. So um, it's a lot, a lot of layers, a lot of irony there. But yeah, interesting. But again, we, we will see. Now we can finally turn turn our head forward to all of these things. And again, you know, it's great. I'm sure we'll be talking plenty about um, uh, Dr. Gregg in the future. Um, but now we've checked this box. We can pivot to football um, and just move forward. But before we abandon basketball, I also just have to note the other thing we learned is that um, Mike Krzyzewski, uh shows up like like his his entrance music for um, large media gatherings at Duke is like some crazy seventy discos the disco theme, which is. Um, like really weird. I don't know if you guys saw the video of, of like the people in the audience, like standing and clapping and, and he gets to the podium and he does the same thing. I mean, it was really freaking weird. And it, it, it elicited all sorts of funny memes in my head of, of Pat Fitzgerald entering to, to kooky, uh, kooky country music or, or, or other. It's, uh, shipping up to Boston is what I have. in my head. <laughs> <laughs> get, get that Irish thing going. Cause you know, yeah. we, we're going to have uh, Ireland on the mind. Uh, right. That would be that would be about a gajillion times cooler than what than what Chushevsky <laughs> rolled into. It's dancing a jig and anyway, um, let's turn our attention to football because our our summer yes. previews start uh, next episode. Uh, as always, we're going to start by previewing the Big Ten teams that we do not play uh, this he, he, season. He, some some inside baseball for your listeners. Um, for us, it's going to start in about like. 17 minutes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Can't give away all of our secrets, guys. Come on, man. Sorry, man. I'm, Can't I'm, show I'm them fired how the sausage is made. <laughs> fired up tonight. Uh, yeah, so um, you know, we're like we're champing at the bit uh, to dive in and talk about you know the teams Northwestern is playing, the rest of the Big Ten. Um, but just to kind of open the, the discussion on on this season, on the 2021 season. Uh, I'm interested to to have a little discussion um, about about the conference and about the perception of of the conference. It kind of like we're going to go into each team in depth, uh, team by team, and we can talk more about each individual team. But I'm kind of interested to hear from you guys on you know what is the the national media perception of the conference of the divisions of you know who people expect to to win and then what do we think is the reality like you know we we take we we wear rose colored we wear purple colored glasses that that's that's never been in doubt but we've also been pretty spot on um i, I can think of countless occasions that we have predicted something against what the national media was saying. And that's exactly how it came out. Um, so I, I'm you know, not looking to take on the national media here, but like, what are some of the storylines going into the 2021 season that, uh, 
you can just guarantee is going to be like headlining on ESPN.com, headlining on The Athletic. Um, well, I, I think the, the one that is certainly going to the narrative that will exist, it's not going to be universal, but it's certainly going to be out there that is going to be driving especially Northwestern fans crazy is the idea that last year was a, a weird season that produced weird results, right? And that is, like, I would say, and I, I think that there is going to be part of this narrative that, oh, you know, Michigan gets a mulligan for last year. Penn State gets a mulligan for last year. Wisconsin gets a mulligan for last year. And um, by the same token, look how, you know, it, ain't it cute how good Northwestern and Indiana were last year? But, you know, really weird season. And I would say about just... I'm so mad right now. I would say... <laughs> talk, I'm so, so mad right so now. I would say 15% of that is legitimate and 85% of it is just total BS. Um there are there are times, and again, I don't, I don't want to go down individual team roads because I don't want to step on all the stuff we were doing. My own personal feeling is there are some massive sliding doors for certain teams, including Northwestern, um, caused by players who chose to opt out of the season. And if you fold that in as a direct result of the you know the COVID and the weird season and everything, then yeah, for a couple of teams, that made a big difference. But there are other teams, <clears throat> Michigan, uh, that, you know, where there are real issues. And the idea that that certain teams just would get a write-off um, and, and that, that, that we would just paper over real problems that exist. And, and, you know, like there are, you know, again, not to go down the road, but like y'all watched our game against Wisconsin. You saw a team that's really awesome at some things and has issues they need to work out. And like, that wasn't a COVID thing. So the, I think that will be the thing that's going to piss a lot of Northwestern fans off. Certainly is this notion that, Oh, strange season, um, you know, and, and on the flip side, you know, we're, we're going to be getting into a team like the Hoosiers soon. And it's like, they're, you know, like, just look, don't write them off. Let's put it that way. Like this, like they're, these were not, anomalies caused by some weird season, but that will certainly be a narrative that's going to be out there. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause that narrative dovetails with narratives you're hearing about the NFL as well. Like, so I, I had pulled up, um, I was just poking around and pulled up a, a two, a 24 seven sports article, you know, b- b- one bold prediction for every big 10 team in 2021. Um, I'm really entertained because there's a bunch of preamble, including an editor's note that says these suggestions are not necessarily supposed to be likely. Hence the emphasis on each being a bold prediction. And then the very first sentence, the fighting Illini will be worse in 2021 than in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I mean, that feels like if that feels about right, but um, your point is well taken, John, because like some of the stuff in here is, you know, Indiana is going to take a step back. Iowa will win the West division. Um, Spencer Petrus's development was amazing. Um, Michigan State's going to struggle again, which I actually kind of agree with. Graham Mertz will return to blue chip form, and I just like it. It's 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 very hot takey, and it's um, like I get it. The last year was really anomalous, and there were all sorts of weird things. Like let's just take the Mertz thing, right? So he was awesome against Illinois. Who had like who fielded like zero defense all of last year? Right? Well, and and um, let's 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 bring up 
too, right? The fact that they opened against Illinois, and I don't think they would have opened against Illinois in a normal situation. Yeah, true. And that true. colored everyone's view of that guy. Yep. Um, and then he, you know, he tested positive for COVID. He was out for a bit, and then he came back and was real rough down the stretch. There's another football player at the quarterback position who had a, like, the narrative for 2020 was exactly the same. And that's Cam Newton. Do you believe that Cam Newton is going to return to MVP form in 2021? <laughs> like, I, I realize one is, you know, 21 years old and, and the other has been playing football for a long time. And these are not exactly analogous situations, but like, that's what's going on here. And I just, I think it's, it's a bit bonkers to just, you know, as you put it, John, just write off the weird stuff that happened last year and be like, ah, it all goes back to normal Wisconsin and then Ohio state and Michigan. And like the idea that Penn state is just going to suddenly like rise from the ashes after losing their, their absolute best player, um, uh, in, in, uh, uh, Micah Parsons. Yeah. Thank you. Micah Parsons. Um, I like, I, I just, I think next year is going to have, not as much uncertainty, but I think there's going to be weird stuff going on. And the reality is like the Jim Harbaugh era has failed. Well, that's, that's the, one of the things the, too. Exactly. Michigan doesn't have a quarterback. Like, right. like people are talking about like, is, is Harbaugh like they, like Michigan has, you know, restructured his contract and I don't know. We'll see what happens. Can he prove it? All their quarterbacks left. They there have was, none. I was, I just like, if there's one theme, I would say it's that, just about everything that happened in the Big Ten last year was fairly predictable. Um, and the I would say the single biggest thing, you know, the biggest non-predictable thing was Penn State. And it was only non-predictable if you didn't know how big an impact. Let's just put it this way. The Dallas Cowboys had a really good NFL draft. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, the, I, I'll I, say the... The only thing unpredictable of about Penn State last year was like how spectacularly the Kirk Chiroka hire failed. Um but then like the fact that they canned him in the offseason and have hired a brand new offensive coordinator, like that doesn't make you feel good. Like right, that, uh, like that's gonna turn around Sean Clifford overnight for real? Yeah, uh, I mean there's it's just like it's just a lot of this stuff and I think they're like Northwestern was awesome. Iowa was awesome. Like Wisconsin missed out on some extra wins because of their shortened schedule. Those losses are legit losses. Like those losses would have happened. And I think so it's there. And I think these, a lot of these are things that we saw coming into the year, certainly relative to Northwestern. I think, you know, Indiana might've, might've been a big miss. Uh, They're probably a, a team I'm as excited to preview as any other team only because, um, they truly did find another gear and that, that you rarely see teams find. And um, they're, they're just, you know, they're an awesome story, but they're certainly not like, it's not like, Oh, crazy COVID stuff. Like, Ooh, like, um, I mean, you could certainly say that, that they were a direct benefit of, you know, the Micah Parsons dominoes, like that's for sure. But that doesn't change the fact that they didn't have an awesome team last year. Like they did. Um, and I mean, that, that was great, but it would certainly wasn't because of COVID. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is all to say, like, there are a lot of storylines that we've been following for, for several years and trends and things. And a lot of these things are real. And, 
and independent of everything that's going on, there are some changing of the guardy kind of things going on right now that make it really fun to to be covering all these teams. Well, well, and while we're here, like, allow me to steer into the saltiness um, and steal a little bit of your of your mo <laughs> from last fall, John. And that is, you know, I like the one that comes to mind is this um, pro football focus take on Northwestern. That was they've you know they've lost their their best player in Peyton Ramsey who was a revelation last year and totally changed the QB position, you know their their top wideouts are all gone and you know they're gonna really struggle to contend for the West next year. But you know what their defense should still be like top of the conference um, or close to it and um, and that you know that's something to be excited about. Uh, proje- projected six point eight wins. What? So first. Let me disabuse anyone of the notion that that what was that what I just parroted is even plausible. Like close to top of the conference defense and bottom third offense is the recipe that Northwestern has leveraged to win two Big Ten West championships and double digit wins in four of the last five years. Yep. Like I mean, just let that sit. I so like the notion that we're gonna have a top defense again. And not contend for the. I'm not saying we're going to win it outright right now, but like the, the, the idea that we wouldn't be in the mix is effing bonkers. Um, I, I think let, yeah. I I think most smarter places are looking at the Holinsky transfer and thinking like, oh, he could like he could probably come in and do a lot of the same things Ramsey did for this team. I think I think the 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 forest that people are missing from the trees is that our offensive line has made a massive transformation over the past three years. And you're going, I mean, we, we lost a top 15 draft pick who opted out of last season and our offensive line improved. That's let me say that again. We lost a top 15 NFL draft pick at tackle and our offense unexpectedly and our offensive line got better. I, and that's the thing, like, I'm like, you talk about effects of the COVID season, you know, like west of Happy Valley, there aren't many bigger things than the fact that unquestionably either the best or second best player on Northwestern's team going into the 2021 season may not have played last year if COVID did not happen. That's a massive sliding door. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and as it is. We got to have the best of both worlds. We got our first round pick and we have man bear Pete at left tackle. Um, and I mean, it's, it is. And, and there are many others. Yeah. And, you know, and and that's the, that's the thing people are missing. Like the, the recruitment, the, de- the development, just the, just the week to week coaching of the offensive line yeah. has dramatically improved you from will, three years ago. You will yell the name Josh Preeb at your television at some <laughs> point this season. And that is not a guy who okay. saw heavy minutes last year. Let's just oh, put it God, that way. Yes. We we yelled his name last year yeah. uh, in the waning there, in the waning quarter of the Maryland game, yeah. if I recall. Um, there, yeah. I I mean I like add on Cam Porter add on like like everyone is looking at oh you lost all your wideouts well i would argue that like we might have more athleticism in our new wide receiver core than we had in our last one let let me tell you there are a lot of teams on northwestern's conference schedule and a lot of teams on the non-con who don't defend the run very well 
and <laughs> we gone run this year, people. Um, and I like there. It's just like this six win thing. I if you're looking at our schedule and being like, I feel like I see more than six wins here. Well, let me tell you, we're diving into this stuff, and you ain't wrong. But I can't wait to to really get into the nitty gritty team by team. Well, it's just like when when is Northwestern gonna get like a little bit of the benefit of the doubt? And I fully appreciate and own the fact that we like we ain't earned it, right? Like we won the Big Ten West in 2018, and then 2019 was a dumpster fire. Um, a lot has changed since that year. Let's be right. clear. But I like people still look at that as. I mean, I think I think that's the calculus is that most people are looking at. 2018 was an outlier positive year. 2019, they came back to earth. 2020 was an outlier positive year. And 2021, they're going to come back to earth. The reality is, is that Northwestern's year-to-year standard is much closer. I'm not going to suggest that we're going to win the Big Ten West every season. Like, clearly that's not going to happen. But being in the mix, being in the top half of the West, that's the place Northwestern has been for five of the last six years, if not longer. And that's the standard that's going to continue. 2019 is the outlier. That is the aberration, and people have not recalculated that yet. And I think that's that to me is the biggest misnomer of the of the media storylines uh, on the Big Ten going into next year. That that and the and the whitewashing of of the fact that Michigan has no quarterbacks, um, and it's just a question of if Jim Harbaugh stays or not. Well, uh, without further ado, I, what do you say we uh, we put a bow on this one? And get into the meat of things as we dive into our summer previews. What do you think, guys? Anything to mention before we get this thing rolling? I'll just say Scuzz teased it off the top. I got us a nice t-shirt idea coming down the pipe. <laughs> we're, all, and, we're all pretty giddy about this. And, we got some work to do. But. And there's some stuff tied into it that uh, I think is going to fire a lot of you up come you know, mid-summer, let's say. So, so put a pin in that and uh, yeah, let's get into some previews. Oh, well, with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pirates. You can email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the Westlaw of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.